to, to pitch the best approach on how to give to get them to give you money is you have to be able to provide your case on how you're going to make them money and how it's worth it for them to give you money. Cool, Abe. Uh, welcome to Wine, Whiskey and Weed Show. This is your host, Sid Patel. And uh, people here, I have Abe Miller with me. And Abe is the co-founder of Uncle Arnie's Beverage. I'm, I'll have Abe speak about that more, you know, on what they're up to. And uh, till what I know, Abe, you're, you've really made a successful brand here in California. You know, it's in a lot of dispensaries. And till what I last saw your update is almost 380 dispensaries, right? I love the way you keep an update on your LinkedIn. So that's where I got the number from. Abe, uh, welcome again. You know, why don't you give a little context and introduction to our audience and just tell us, uh, you know, a little bit of a background story on how you ended up in cannabis and what you're up to these days. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you so much for, uh, you know, bringing me on the podcast and even just asking me to be on here, Sid. So I appreciate you. But um, yeah, so I started out in cannabis. Um, I've been in cannabis since I was 13, actually. And I've been consuming for quite a long time. I'm from Florida originally, but I ended up moving out to um, Portland back in uh, 2013 and worked for uh, some brick and mortar retail stores out there and then had always kind of been dabbling in and out of cannabis. My buddy had a, a medicinal grow in Oregon. So I used to help him actually grow at his home grow and uh, used to basically just, you know, trim and do stuff for free weed and was really focusing more on the retail and retail, retail, retail management and retail sales. And uh, through that, I actually ended up getting introduced to um, Cameron Forney, one of the founders of Select. And with that, uh, you know, there was an interesting opportunity for me to help uh, bring their brand here into the space in 2017. So I've been kind of dabbling back and forth on like, if I wanted to leave a job that I was doing for five years, I was so successful and to kind of jump into this new venture. And uh, my mom, my mother basically was the one that was just like, kind of smacked me upside the head and was like, you've been doing this for so long. Like, why the hell would you not uh, go into cannabis and just try it? You know? So with that, uh, I ended up move, just packing up a U-Haul, moved my friend down to Garberville up here in Humboldt. Um, dropped off all the select stuff. And then three months later, ended up moving out here to Sacramento and starting with select as a product formulator for them and also production manager for, for the cart filling side of things and scaled that uh, to a team of roughly about 10 people that were doing cartridges. We were doing about 15 to 20,000 cartridges a day, trained somebody to formulate and make all the distillate and make all of the actual strains and transitioned to supply chain, scaled their supply chain, built up a network of 200 growers and was, you know, curating anywhere from like a thousand to 5,000 pounds of trim per week to be able to give to uh, other processors and stuff like that to make oil for us. And then I stepped away in 2019 and started consulting business. And through that consulting business, um, I ended up meeting my partner, Matt, and we got introduced at a, at a, uh, uh, it was like a demo new dispensary opening kind of situation at Kind Pharma. And with that, you know, we ended up connecting two months later down the road and he had a couple different brands that he wanted to bring to the space and didn't really know how to make the intro into the market. And uh, I started selling Nectar for him. And over the course of those four months, you know, we started Fly Beverage uh, and came up with the action and game plan for Uncle Arnie's and launched Uncle Arnie's May 2020. So Through there is how the evolution of Arnie's really started and how Matt and I actually met. And since then, you know, we've 
Uh, we've been around for a little over two years now, two and a half years since we started Fly Beverage, two year, a little over two years and two months since we started Uncle Arnie's. And, uh, you know, we're just still self-funded, um, don't have any big VC investors or anything like that. And what we're really up to today and now is just working on continuing to grow the product portfolio, continuing to grow distribution footprint, and, um, you know, continuously trying to raise money and keep it really guerrilla style and just nitty gritty and just trying to fucking sell some so that's <laughs> kind of where how we got to Uncle Arnie's and where we're at now so no I love it I mean I think uh I, I can see it like you're you're a pure you guys are pure hustling it out and bootstrapping the, this whole thing you know and it's all organic I can see like another order coming in and using that money for another order and you know it, it, you can see it from the actions and I think I think you're you're really bank you know putting efforts where it, it all counts like the most, which is like what I can see is like knocking doors and getting more placements. You know, forget about everything else. Let's just grow the accounts. You know, so I don't dive deep into that. And and yeah, I mean, I'm curious as well on uh, where did this uh, Uncle Arnie's uh, name come from? You know, and and what's the story behind that? Yeah, so this guy right here uh, that you see. So the original design and idea, uh, our designer Jeff Bull. He and Matt, they came up with, uh, there was this whole story that we were going to try to paint over, you know, a, a five-year span between Matt's Eye Soda. And that was like this, this thing that was weird that not a lot of people knew about, but they saw everywhere and Uncle Arnie's and basically the whole gang. And Uncle Arnie's was actually only ever supposed to be just one product, which was the Arnold Palmer. And the guy right here is actually Arnold Palmer, just like 70 stoner stonified. And um, because the product just was such a large hit, it grew into something more. So now we're really trying to curate and paint this picture that uncle Arnie's is, you know, is your uncle that's always bringing and curating good vibes and bringing uh, and, and, you know, bringing he's, he's the supplier of happy times and good vibes, but now, even more so too as well, Uncle Arnie's really kind of lives within all of us. Like, I think that uh, just with the last hundred plus years of the stigma of cannabis and, and what cannabis is, at least for me, and I know a lot of my team members, we're kind of the Uncle Arnie of our family. You know, when you pull up to a family function, there's always, at least for me, I come from a, a very Christian background. And so anytime I ever pull up to a family function, they're always like, you know, here's Abe, you know, he's probably stone or some, something goofy, funny like that, where I'm the classic stoner of the family. And Uncle Arnie's now is a, is a representative of that classic stoner that's in the family, but also somebody that's <laughs> supplying the good vibes. So like it. Nice, nice. So let's let's go on, uh, you know, pure sales here. You know, I really want to uh, understand how what keeps you motivation motivated as well and and i see that you know again you know i'm just consuming your i'm coming from the your linkedin content let's say i can see that you're pushing positivity you're you're optimist as an individual to what i can see you know you are you're a happy person overall right so what keeps you going and keeps you knocking doors you know what kind of things do you work on and tell your sales rep that hey don't worry it's a bad you know one more bad day tomorrow is going to be a good day you know walk us over on what keeps you on and also what what are you telling your reps yeah um Dude, I think, I think with sales in general, you have to keep like some sort of like positive mindset. Um, you know, there's a lot of negativity that's in the world. And also the biggest thing I think that a lot of people like don't understand about cannabis is that 
it's a whirlwind and um it's also an evolution like this industry is going to continuously be an evolution of what cannabis is and what cannabis was and what cannabis should be and i think it's always about like kind of looking towards the future you know it's even the same mm-hmm. with how you're building uh the cannabis drink expo right like it's not this super massive well-known expo but you're starting from the ground level it doesn't matter if you're getting you know 50 people that are coming to uh, the expo or a hundred people that are coming into the expo, even if you just get one person, that's what really matters the most. And with sales, you just got to have thick skin in general. And it's all about driving good customer service. And at least when I'm talking with my team, you know, it's all about the intangibles and untangibles and the controllables and uncontrollables. May that be like a late delivery or may that be, um, going through uh, a buyer that just won't answer an email for two plus three weeks when you know that they're out of product and they've been out of product for two weeks and customers are yelling at them. You know, it's, it's about understanding that this is just the nature of how it is. You can only control what you can control and you have to keep a positive mindset with sales because there's people that will tell you, fuck you to your face. And there's people that will, um, also be super, super big, loyal fans of just the brand. And there's people that play hardball and think that they're the biggest and the baddest of, of being a purchasing manager. And, you know, at the end of the day, as long as you're the one that is curating uh, a, a quality customer service experience, like you should be happy going home at the end of the day with that. And if you're supporting your team from a sales management perspective, and ensuring that they're always hitting their goals or you're alongside with them that entire step of the way. I think that that gives the team a lot more positivity and confidence too, as well, that you're just not like throwing them out in the field and not giving them any tools or you're not fighting those fights. They're not the only people that are fighting those fights alone. You know what I mean? And a lot of cases with a lot of cannabis brands, it seems like, you know, that's the case is that the reps just out there fighting their own fight and they're fighting the fight for the brand versus you know, a sales manager taking eight hours out of their day and stepping into the field and interacting with customers themselves, you know, but you have to have a positive mindset because this, this industry can be brutal. Shit can change all the time. And, uh, if you're calm, they're calm. And if you're positive and trying to work through solutions with them and being overly communicative to where you're purple in the face, I think that's what drives a lot of the positivity. And that's at least how I curate conversations with my sales team on trying to keep a light head and keep level head and keep positive. And, you know, at the end of the day, if somebody's not going to be able to do something or there's a store that's being a pain in the ass, like, you know, that's when I'm going to step in and come help you and give you that confidence. And that usually always leads to some sort of the positivity and confidence is a combination of the two. So, yeah, sounds good. Uh, you know, uh, for the wine, beer, and spirits industry, normally, you know, uh, a sales route is like Monday to Friday, and then Friday is like for tastings and helping with some deliveries yeah. here and there. And then, you know, Monday is usually when people take new products, like a new introduction, so they're happening, you know, uh, and placements. And then Tuesday, Wednesday is more like repeat orders sort of circuit, you know. Uh, what is a typical uh, KPI, you know, like a key performance indicators you've given your reps, like number of accounts they have to hit, number of accounts they have to open new, right? New accounts, then, uh, you know, maybe a two case displays in every account. Are there like any, you know, uh, targets that you, uh, you know, you define them that they have to hit every week or you, how are you measuring your reps, right? So uh, explain uh, us yeah. that. Um, there's 
you know, we try to take it. Uh, we have a thing that we say in our organizations where it's keep it simple, stupid. Mm-hmm. And um, with, I guess, like the nature, the way that I've at least seen it, you know, I've worked with big brands like Select and seen aggressive KPI set. And even, even still with those aggressive KPIs, they're some, you know, they're, they were once the number one brand. And now I think they're like probably number eight or number nine for vape cartridges. Right. So I think when it comes to us and our organization and how I set up our team, it's just about trying to make sure that they're set up for success from a scheduling standpoint and that they're not running around trying to understand uh, what their route's going to be every single day, whenever they first wake up and really setting them up for success and, any KPIs that are set around that, you know, they should be hitting anywhere from seven to 10 stores a day, um, always prospecting every single month. You know, we have an overall store goal that we're trying to achieve by the end of the year, uh, which is about 400 doors and we're only 20 doors away from that. So, um, and so, so like a biggest- rep should open, uh, uh, maybe f- four new accounts every week at least. Uh, you know, we try to, uh, depending on how many we actually, how many doors we actually have now, we just divide that up in the month because the biggest thing that we are Yeah. The biggest KPIs that we're really trying to focus on are like order cycles and getting consistent orders with dispensaries and getting consistent communication. Um, the doors always come and the, the rest should always be prospecting anywhere from like five to 10 new dispensaries a month. Uh, and we should be trying to reach whatever that $400 goal is. If that's 20 dispensaries divided by our four reps by five months, that's how many doors we should be hitting. But our yeah. main goal is ensuring that they're hitting our main KPIs is, are you hitting your sales goal? Are you touching base with all of your customers uh, once a month? Um, are you hitting your actual paperwork KPIs? May that be sending out emails to, if you have 72 dispensaries, you should be hitting 72 emails every single Monday times four. Um, but our biggest KPIs are really focusing on our order cycles and focusing on the sales. So out of your 72 dispensaries, you only have 50 dispensaries that are uh, ordering on a monthly order of cadence and the other 50 are ordering on every two to three month order cycles and trying to break down those order cycles uh, to then gain more sales. So Got we're it. a little bit more, yeah, we're a little bit more simple, stupid with it. Like we're trying not to overwhelm uh, the reps with it with at least like trying to hit a certain amount of stores or open new doors. Like there's a main objective for doors. Do you, uh, I got it. Do you, do you uh, get depletion reports from your accounts and then you see which are the top accounts and they are the accounts which are slow. So let's go and sort of, you know, uh, figure out a way on why they are not depleting stock. And, you know, because, because your reorder is based on obviously what's going out to consumers, right? So you will need that data to find out or it's just physically seeing that your product is still sitting there. I would say like, only 10% of our total portfolio. And this goes for every single brand too, as well. You know, a lot of those dispensaries aren't sharing stock out reports, sell through reports, things like that. They're actually continuing to try to control that information. Hmm. And um, that's why we're, at least for my team, we have to be really aggressive and heavy on the road because beverages is like the last thing that people are thinking about since it's only 2% of their, their profit. And 2% of their total sales for uh, the overall, Mm. for their dispensary. And a lot of times it's literally us like, you know, today I'm out with my rep Ed and yesterday we were out in Monterey and there's uh, been a dispensary, I won't name any names, but they've been out of stock for two weeks and 
we literally had butt tenders telling us that customers were yelling at them for not having products, right? And we've sent them emails uh, three times three times a week for the last two weeks and haven't gotten a response, even though they need product back in stock. And there's dispensaries mm. like that that just aren't even sharing reports. So we have to be really aggressive on the field and watch their order cycles based on when they're coming through, coming back in for the region between the time that they place their order and the time that they've reordered and then have a meeting set with them and say, Hey, you know, I know for a fact, but after going into your dispensary that you're out for two weeks Hmm. and it's been five weeks really. So you're selling through product within three weeks, you know, let's tack on one or two additional cases. So you're not selling, selling out and being out of stock for two weeks and losing, you know, X amount of profit on it. So a lot of that, a lot of it is still just internal data that we're, that we're bringing in ourselves um, so uh, in order let, to try to control the inventory levels. Sure. Understood. Uh, what about the sales approach, right? So if you, if someone brand new, you know, who's not done cannabis sales or let's say even wine sales, you know, and then walking on and you, ex- he, he or she is asking you, so what, what do I have to do? Right. So you, uh, when you open a new account or when you're hitting an account, so you, what is an approach that you guys use? You just go there and ask them, I, I really want to spill here. Like really like, Hey, can I, who, who handles the purchasing here or who's the butt tender here or who's the owner of this dispensary? And then uh, what are your next steps and what kind of, uh, you know, how do you present your product? Like walk me over that journey, please. Yeah. Basically on like acquiring an account. Yeah. Or, or going and introducing uh, into a new account. Okay. Like, yeah. I mean, it's uh, the, the way you know, there's so many different ways that you can prospect and interact with the new account. It's, it's something that I've been trying to work on for the last two years on what's actually a good um, customer acquisition model. And like, what are the process, what are the, the certain processes that are taken in order to acquire an account? But there's honestly so many different variables. So like, give me four, three or four examples. <laughs> yeah. Like one example is, uh, there's certain dispensaries like 1841 where, um, you know, they have vendor, they have vendor days set where it's every Wednesday from 11 to one, it's a free for all. You can just go and talk to the buyer. Um, that's one example of how you can prospect a brand new account. You know, you just bring your samples in, uh, you know, their set times go in there, present the product leave some samples either on hand or follow up with next steps and send out the product actually to the dispensary via metric and then have a set date on when you're going to follow up again or go back in that next Wednesday after about a week once they've actually sampled the product. That's one example on how you can acquire an account. Uh, another another way to acquire an account is just rolling into the dispensary, setting them within your route. So our reps, based on how many dispensaries that they have, we actually set up uh, our schedules out two weeks in advance based on certain regions that we want to go. And we try to hit at least 50% of those stores that we're, that we're trying to hit our customers and the other 50% of those dispensaries are new accounts that we may not have in that area. And we also have a territory spreadsheet of all the dispensaries that are in each individual reps area and the percentage of uh, coverage in each county that's there. So we can understand if we're going out to Monterey County that we have 80% of that already and there's only two dispensaries, like we might not, we might put them in a prospect or we might not even prioritize it because those stores, they're the last on the list and we're just going to focus on trying to build up the name in order for those people to come to us. Um, 
but it's throwing those dispensaries into your route. And sometimes it takes just literally stopping into the dispensary two or three times over the month, getting an email and sending three emails a week, every single week for four weeks in order to just get an email back from a buyer in order to set a meeting and then changing your route, going to that meeting and then rinse and repeating that same process as you're stopping in a dispensary when they have their set days, like 11 to one on a Wednesday, pitching the product, setting a follow-up date, going back in, talking about the, talking about the feedback from the product, showing them their new, uh, showing them, you know, obviously the new, the new customer acquisition Mm -hmm. deal and acquiring them on. That's another example of how you just road run and hit it. Um, we've even taken their route approach to as well. Like myself, when I'm acquiring new accounts, I'm actually just trying to find on LinkedIn, who is, uh, who's the owner of the dispensary and contacting them because we've been trying to contact their dispensary for six months and haven't gotten a response from a buyer. Um, that's happened twice actually. And we'll have to take the owner route in order to get them to talk to us from the bud tender, from the buyer level. It's very rare that you can stop in, talk to a bud tender and then, you know, get an email to the buyer, but it's really just sending emails out all the time. I would say 80% of the time it's, you have to stop in that dispensary over and over and over again, get the, get the same email or just stop in there over and over again to the point where you're like, Hey, I've sent seven emails. I need to talk to the manager. Like at this point, I'm going to stop in every week for the next six weeks if that's what it's going to take. And you guys are going to be like, Hey, you need to send an email. Hey, you need to send an email. And it's going to get to the point where I'm going to say, Hey, I've sent 45 emails and I haven't gotten one email. What do Mm -hmm. I do at this point now? Um, And I would say that is the bulk majority of how reps are acquiring accounts. Understood. What what about the 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 case of where you're branded? Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, you know, and then there's also the route too, where, uh, if you're, if you're focused on, if you're really, really deep into your dispensary spread and your distribution spread, and you understand that you have 80% of an entire County locked in and that means that there's only two dispensaries left on the list. Sometimes it's better to just build up the dispensary partners that you have and then let those customers come to you. So then the the power and the control is back in the brand and the sales are much easier at that point. It's send me some samples and I'll get the order next week, you know? Got it. Got it. Uh, what about the pitch? You got the meeting, let's say the buyer said, all right, you know, come 11 o'clock, tell them what it is. Uh, what does your elevator pitch include and what's a good pitch basically? You know, it's not just for yourself, but what is a good tip uh, you would want to give to other uh, reps out there selling anything, you know, in cannabis? Like what, what is a, just a buyer looking for from you? Yeah, I think, um, I think, you know, organization for, uh, if I were to give any reps advice on how to pitch to a dispensary, it's, you know, knowledge is power. I was just telling this to my guy yesterday, you know, like we were out on Monterey. It's a very low income area. Um, not a lot of dispensaries. It's good for you to understand the actual demographic of the area. May it be low mm-hmm. income? What's the average income household and how much are they making? Uh, and understanding the actual territory that you're about to be stepping into, because it might not be right for your product. If you're selling like a $65 eighth, and if you're going to an area where the average income household is only $45,000 a year, it might not be the best approach for you to try to go and pitch in a really high end expensive flower to that, to that dispensary. You might try to approach with your pre-rolls that you have on your menu 
And um, when we're when we're going out there and pitching, we're just trying to be as organized as possible and trying to and basically just trying to state our case. You know, so we come in backed with data. We come in backed with um, really organized, uh, really organized decks in order to be able to paint the picture to where it's fast. You know, it's all about, again, keeping it simple, stupid, like the buyer has got 20 minutes. So what does the deck include? You know, is it, it's about you, your story, and then let's say the more story, about the merchandising. Products. Yeah. The story, the products, what you can offer, basically you're pitching. You got to think that you're trying to, you're trying to get them to give you money. So yeah. in order to, to, to pitch the best approach on how to give, to get them to give you money is you have to be able to provide your case on how you're going to make them money and how it's worth it for them to give you money. May that be setting in all of your marketing decks, having a really well put together and easy approachable um, uh, new offering package. That's not beneficial. It's never should be beneficial for you on the first term when it comes to buyers. Like if you're a flower brand and if you have a $5,000 minimum, you better fucking rethink your $5,000 minimum and approach your new accounts with a $1,200 minimum and just get the ball rolling. You know, hmm. it's all about keeping it easy and keeping it easy for the buyer to be able to say yes. So we just pitch our, we just pitch the brand. We talk about who we are and we keep it real. We show them some data to prove and give them some confidence that our product does sell through. And then uh, we put together just a nice product description and, and product portfolio where we're showing them digitally um, a deck of all of our products and the cogs and painting them the picture on their profit margins and the product descriptions and then having physical product in store to be able to give to them and then um, showing them the on how we're going to support them and how we're going to provide sell through, right? Because got it. That's, so let, let's that's go the deeper next there because th that was my next question is how are you going to help them sell through? And we can wrap it up after this, basically on how, how you will help them deplete the product, right? What are the things that you've seen working for you? And, you know, usually like if, if you had limited budget, what would be the best uh, place to invest in helping them sell through? Well, for us at Uncle Arnie's, you already know the deal. You know, we're bootstrapped and we keep this thing as raw as possible. So we don't have a ton of marketing dollars to be able to shell at people. Um, you know, I, out of all 400 of our dispensaries, we have two shelving fees, which is probably pretty uncommon for amongst the entire space. I think for us and ultimately the way how we ensure sell through a product from our side is hooking the butt thinners up, you know, if the drug dealers aren't happy with your product, like I said previously, the first order is never going to be in your benefit. And as a, and as a brand, you have to understand that in order to build the brand loyalty and to build the customer loyalty, you have to make it beneficial for them, not beneficial for you, because it's all about the long-term thought process whenever you're going in and interacting with these people, right? Like when we're approaching new customers, we approach it with a five-year mindset or a 10-year mindset, not with a we're going to get this going for the next six months and see how this rolls. That's never how we, that's never how we've thought about it. So it's overloading them with samples and, and getting the butt centers really stoked on the product and believing beverage in general and getting them fucking just hooked on it hmm. and having a very lucrative promotion plan and, and giving the store all promotion in order to make sure that the product does sell through. 
um, within at least a 30 day span. If you're going to go over 30 days and not provide any product and just have the confidence that your brand's going to sell, you know, you're going to end up losing nine times out of 10 when it comes to being in the space. So that's how we approach it. really lucrative, really lucrative promotion plans, hooking the bud tenders up first and foremost, always, and um, making that order non-beneficial for us. Loving it, man. Loving it. Anything else uh, you would want to add, Abe, you know, on what's going on in your space? Any, any, any pitch, anything that you would want, maybe for dispensaries that you know, would be a good one, like, you know, hey, uh, this is what we do. Anything. It's, it's the, the last one's on you. You know, I think, I think, uh, you know, I think I'm just really excited about beverage, dude. And I think I'm excited about what you got going on, Sid, and really bringing light to the space. And, um, you know, it's, it's a long-term play with what we're trying to do. So, uh, you know, to all the brands that are out there, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be a fight for the next two years. And I think when it comes to interacting with people like you, Sid, and, and your category specifically, you know, we just all have to be in this there's a space for competition and there's also a space for support. And I think, um, supporting each other more now than ever and, and, um, pushing beverage as a whole is, uh, is the ultimate goal. And, you know, I'm, I'm just stoked to see what you, what you guys got going on. And I'm always just excited to see what new beverage brands are going to come into the space. You know, like we were at some dispensaries yesterday and people were, you know, throwing Mary Jones around and all these other brands that are coming out trying to seem like it was almost like nerve wracking for us. And, you know, for me, I think it's, I think I'm really just excited for what's going to be happening over the next year. You know, the more brands and more big names that come into our space means the more customer acquisition and customer loyalty is going to happen from the dispensary side of things too, as well. Um, and for dispensaries, you know, just keep believing in beverage, man. That's, that's how I feel about it because regular edibles, you know, I was talking with, uh, with one of the old buyers actually for, um, Harborside the other day, he's over at a new dispensary and he was telling me how cool it's been to, to watch just the space evolve. And especially from an edible side of things to where he's like, you know, the cookies and brownies and this very like classic stoner, like mindset or from like an edible product, how it's starting to actually phase out and how these new innovative products like beverages or like, um, you know, I saw like uh, jello shots, you know, there's yeah. like a company wow. called compound or something that's making jello shots. And I think that the buyers and dispensaries need to be more excited about the new innovations and be willing to pick up those products and giving them a shot and expanding that space in order to bring a whole brand new customer in and to also show the customers what's out there in the world. Right. Uh, we had a buyer the other uh, yesterday that we were trying to pitch that was brand new. And I love that he said this because it like it, it for me, you see me post about this a lot on LinkedIn and talk about it a lot. It's all about the changing of the cusp of that buyer mindset and taking your opinion out of the factor and looking at the customer and putting their opinion over yours. And he, even when he was looking through our, our deck and was talking about the product, he was like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm super guilty for this and I probably should stop. He's like, I always take my personal opinion a little bit more seriously than what the customer is wanting. So he was like, you know, I'll take a look at your product and look at the data. And, you know, it's definitely, it's something that's really intriguing. We just don't have a lot of space for beverages and things like that. But, you know, again, I, I have to take my personal opinion out of it because at some point my customers want this. And I think, you know, over the next two years, 
it's going to be, it's going to be a rough, it's going to be a rough ride for buyers and for dispensaries for people that continue to keep their opinion, the number one choice on how products enter into the space and actually looking at consumer data and purchasing for the customer versus purchasing for ourselves, you know? True. Super. Well said, you know, I, I respect uh, the way you respect your customer. So we'll wrap it up, Abe. Uh, we'll see you soon at the show. Thanks, man. I appreciate you, Sid. I hope you have a good one. Thanks, buddy. Happy selling out there. Thank you. Cheers.